The question in my mind is, how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business? With so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business, how do you get it right the first time? I want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. My name is John North, and this is the Startup Secrets for Entrepreneur Show. Join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business. This episode is sponsored by Volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. I was just speaking on the Involvepreneur Secret Show. John is a fantastic host. We had a great conversation. And then if you watch this episode, you're going to get a lot of key takeaways out of this, especially if you've gone through any type of trauma or mm -hmm. any type of obstacles that you've overcome in, in your life. Both of us drop a lot of golden nuggets in this episode, and you'll definitely want to check it out. You're listening to the Volpreneur Secrets Show for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, John North, and my mission is to help entrepreneurs make a difference in the world and obviously get through the shaky bits of marketing. So my very special guest today is Robert Foster, and, and welcome, Was Foster, Robert, to the show. God, I haven't done a podcast for so ages, I've forgotten how to talk. <laughs> and it's great to just have fun fun with it. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's probably, probably better. So um, I'll dig in your little bio a little bit, because we'll just discuss it. So you're award-winning international speaker mental health advocate that we all need a bit of mental health right now um, mm -hmm. host the hit um, shut up and grind which inspires guests to share their stories of trauma survival and defying the odds um, and you help people heal themselves and obviously as part of this process you you've involved in a gym or you run a gym so obviously yes. you know, we talked about off the fact that you know a lot of people don't go to the gym unless they've got a problem to solve or some trauma to get through so <laughs> probably dig into that as well so um, single parent to five kids, right? That's a lot of trauma in itself. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, what, I, oh boy. what I realized with uh, kids is that basically you'll never go to the toilet in peace ever again. <laughs> yeah, trust me, just I don't know how old your kids are, but um, yes. you'll My never... youngest, I have twins who are 13. So like maybe the last couple of years, I finally can take a shower without somebody knocking. No, no, if they live in your house, you'll never, I've got a 23 year old and the same problem. You cannot yes. have a shower or, or go to the toilet in peace forever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, just bear that in mind. <laughs> so, true. so there you go. I've depressed you already. Okay, so um, tell me how you got to where you got to be in the situation. I'm, I'm assuming you did you start off as a like a gym junkie kind of thing or what happened there? Well, I'm the youngest of seven kids. And we were all athletes and my parents were also athletes. So right. that part of it was was just kind of in in the blood. And especially being the youngest, watching my older siblings have their successes in basketball, track and field, field hockey. And I wanted that. Mm -hmm. So I was I, like, I hit my growth spurt very late. Like I was a junior in high school before I finally grew to over six feet tall. No, oh, no. Nice. And and I was super I was super skinny. So I don't want to say I didn't resent them at the time. I just resented my my own genetics. I'm like, why why are they all big and strong and I'm short and short and scrawny? Mm. So so anyway, so so that's where the drive to succeed came from because 
I was always labeled as so-and-so's little brother. Mm-hmm. And I hated that. I hated it with a passion. Like, I just wanted to be Robert Foster. Right. And so I just attacked my training. Like, once I finally hit puberty, started hitting, started growing, started putting on muscle. Mm. And that's that's where, where the drive came from. But I liked speaking. I liked leading. Like, I was captain of my sports teams. And I just liked leading other people. And so... I grew up in a very r- rural setting. My parents had like an acre and a half of land. We were in the woods and I would always go out in the backyard and I would speak to the trees. I know it sounds crazy, but the trees were my, they were my audience. And I would sit there and I would just give these motivations. I know where of a lie, like I went to this, I don't know, it's a long story, but I went to this kind of Indian kind of retreat thing once in, in Blue Mountains. And apparently yes. when you were cooking, you were, you were not allowed to talk because you were upsetting the, mm. the vegetables and stuff like that. So maybe you had okay. something there. Like, I don't know. I thought maybe. I'm not committed to this, but it's <laughs> like that's what they did. You weren't allowed to talk while you cut off the veggies because it would put off this negative energy. So oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's funny. I've actually heard, heard of something like that. Yeah, it was bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre weekend. I don't even know how I got involved in the end, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so... Remember my mom, she came out onto the deck this one day as I was out in the back giving my speech to the trees. And she's like, boy, what are you doing? And I told her, I said, I'm motivating the masses. You know, you know so just that was something I wanted to do. Mm. My dad, my dad was an engineer, God rest his soul. He just passed in uh, 2019. But he was an engineer and he just always wanted me to just do something like that. Yeah, and now... Sense. He definitely wasn't wrong because he was kind of pushing me towards computer engineering. So this mm. was back in 1992. Yeah, and yeah. so he, he saw he saw mm. what was happening with computers and he's mm. like, you want to get into this industry? I'm like, I, I really don't. And so I went into school. I registered to, you know, for computer engineering, but I, I hated it. Like I, I didn't want I didn't want to take physics. I didn't want to take calculus. Like none of those things interest me. Mm. I was like, I want to work with people said either something in the health field or just something where I can lead other people and motivate and coach other people. And so I ended up falling into the restaurant trap for 20 years. (laughs) So I became a restaurant, I became a restaurant manager. And, but throughout that process, I learned everything I needed to know to transition into business. Cause you know, you get that label, especially here here in the States. Mm. Like if you don't go to college, you're gonna end up flipping burgers or pumping gas. Mm. And Mm. so I left school because I didn't wanna be there. Mm. But throughout managing, like I learned how to lead people. I learned HR practices. I reckon people should sue sue the government for stealing 12 years of their life. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. So like only thing I really had to go out and learn was how to get booked in the media, marketing and branding. You know, like everything else I already knew. And so I finally left the restaurant industry and I pursued fitness. Like I started it just as a side hustle at first. Mm-hmm. And then it just it just grew into a multi six figure business. I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. like how did this happen? <laughs> but deep down, I still wanted to be a motivational speaker. Like mm-hmm. that's what I ultimately wanted. Like going back to when I was seventeen, speaking to the trees. <laughs> so when in twenty twenty, when the they don't pay much, the trees. They don't pay much for that kick. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in twenty twenty, when the gyms were shut down, that was when I got into podcasting. Well, well mm-hmm. I, I got into it in twenty nineteen, but with my father being sick, like I really wasn't pushing it full, mm-hmm. you know, wholeheartedly. 
because he was in a hospital an hour and 40 minutes away. So, yeah. you know, getting there five days a week, you know, was a big time, big time commitment. Yeah. But then when he passed, I went f full force. I was like, yeah. I'm going to make this speaker thing happen. So that's yeah. how I got here. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. Like, it's funny how things sort of fall on the path, but you know that it's kind of just a way of building blocks to get you somewhere else, right? Yes. You don't absolutely. realize that till you look back. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so true. Looking back on the journey, there's so many stories that just talk about just mm. how it all unfolded. Mm. So one of the things that I've sort of like got a bit of a bee in my bonnet lately about is is the concept of the fact that I think that social media has suckered people into thinking lazy with marketing. That mm. and, and they used to be able to like run ads on Facebook and they get somewhere and now it's costing yeah. more money and all these other dramas. And I think that it's a fundamental as a business that people have never been taught or yes. thought that they could get away without doing it. Yeah. And it's a lazy, boring, you know, the boring, slow stuff you've got to focus on. Um, and I think part of that problem is, is they think, the other thing is I think they don't think that social, the people behind the other end of it is real. Yes. All right. So, so much when you talk to someone, you're not really talking to a real person. Yeah. Um, even though you are. <laughs> so all the niceties <laughs> of, of society where you wouldn't walk up to someone in the street and start talking at them and yelling at them kind of thing. But in social media, it seems like you can just do that because you, you know, they're anonymous. It's not, not real. Yes. And yeah. I think there's, um, to me, is a big shift in the way that people do business. And I think with the whole pandemic and and the great resignation of people moving and changing to things that they thought they might want to do, it's quite funny, yeah. really, in some respects, people want to change to something mm -hmm. else. And when they get there, they realise the grass isn't green or on the other side of the fence. So true. Um, so I guess be careful what you ask for. But yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. started um, podcasting, which is a good, interesting kind of subject matter, because what happens with people with podcasting is... They start a podcast and statistically about nine episodes and they give up. Mm. So that's the average. Um, and part of the reason was they never thought about what they're really going to podcast in the first place. They didn't have a proper strategy around it and they didn't have a way to monetize it. So at the end of the yes. day, it's almost like they get to a point where I'm not getting paid to do this. So therefore your energy level drops off and you stop doing it. So tell me what sort of challenges you've had in terms of trying to get to that level of number one, getting the podcast done, because it's a bit of techie stuff, but it's not that much. Um, yes. And then getting to that stage where you think, well, what, you know, what have you thought through what your, your, your goals are in podcasts? Who's your perfect guest? Do you focus on someone who can perhaps be a contact afterwards or is it more about getting high quality guests on? What, what's your normal way you do it? Yeah, so I want to I wanna just touch on what, what you said a second ago with social media. I think where a lot of people struggle with social media is they don't have their avatar defined. Mm. Like if you think of the people who watch Oprah, like there's a certain group of people that watch her. There's a certain group that watch Howard Stern. Yeah. You know, there's a certain group that watch, say, Shannon Sharp on his Club Shay Shay. So mm. people put out very broad messages on social media trying to appeal to everyone. And hoping and they can when figure you, it out themselves, right? <laughs> yeah, and when you try to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one. Like in fitness, all of my marketing goes to moms. Mm -hmm. And it's like, do I train men? Yes. Do I train non-moms? Yes. Do I train teenagers or young adults? Yes. Mm -hmm. But all of my messaging goes to moms. Mm, and and so I get a lot of engagement that way because moms have specific things that they're dealing with. Mm. And so my social media posts go towards alleviating those stressors and, you know, just letting, giving them the validation that we understand this is what you're going through and this is how you. my program can help you. 
Mm -hmm. Right. So with the podcasting, I had no clue what I was doing at first. Mm -hmm. And you get the imposter syndrome, like you got Joe Rogan out there and he got the celebrities like I'm, I'm no celebrity. I mean, I'm from uh, Rhode Island in the States and it's a very small state. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost like everybody knows everybody here. But <laughs> outside country, of yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like outside of here, like nobody. Price Sydney's really like that too. Me. Like there's four million people in Sydney, but you run into people you know every day, all day. You know, it's like if someone knows you that knows them. It's like quite amazing. Yes. So you're more known than you are, right? People you don't realize it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, true, true. And and so how I got out of that imposter syndrome because I was like, who's gonna listen to me? But then that's what when it's like you know what, it's like. My show is about overcoming obstacles because in 2009, I suffered a bad knee injury where the doctors told me I was never going to run or jump again. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to battle back from that. And I'm back playing basketball again, volleyball. I compete competitively in track and field, you know, so on and so, so forth. So so like I overcame that obstacle. Like I defied those odds. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's got to be stories out there of people that have defied the odds. Mm-hmm. And so you know to answer the question about my perfect guest literally it's anyone <laughs> because everybody has a story to tell yeah you live long you know? enough i saw in a good ad in facebook the other or good image in the other i'm old i survived this long for a reason yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i built i built a coaching program and people always ask me like where are you certified through i'm like mm-hmm. i'm certified through 48 years of living Mm. <laughs> it's like that's where I'm certified <laughs> through. It's like in fitness, I've trained three over three thousand people, most mm. mostly women. Mm. It's like I've actually done women's empowerment groups, mm. and people would come in and be like, "I thought this was a women's empowerment group. Like, why is he here?" Yeah. It's like if you're if you're seeking empowerment, don't judge where it comes from. Yeah, <laughs> like I like I offer a lot of value in mm. working with women. I was like, so it's like, don't judge it until you actually get into the content. And it, it was a very successful series. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the big thing is, is to know what you're talking about and who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. You know, you, com- you combine those two things and you're going to have a successful show. Mm-hmm. Control your destiny and create a complete business system for your online business. Evolvepreneur.app offers an easy and cost-effective way to build your online business by helping you avoid the pain and stress of implementing multiple systems, giving you the freedom to automate and scale. Support our sponsor by grabbing a free copy of Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs at Evolvepreneur.app. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's you're getting very clear about what you're, what you're trying to achieve there too. I think that's the, the challenge as people. And, and I guess also the ability to say no. I think what I've learned in business is that the more you say no... In some cases, it's actually better because people say yes too readily, too quickly, and never commit themselves or never do anything. Yes. And so I think being conscious about what you what you won't do or who you won't have on the show or whatever is being clear about that. Um, yes. Beforehand, because then you don't end up burning yourself out either. So. Yeah. Um, exactly. So so have you? How's the show gone? Like, what have you? What's is there any sort of milestone achievements you've managed to get on the show or? So I've done 255 episodes. Not bad. And you know, the biggest the biggest takeaway that that I'm getting is the network. Mm-hmm. You know, so so like I like I haven't monetized the show itself, mm-hmm. but what I what I, what has come to me as a result of the show. Mm-hmm. Like for 2022, 
I was I was nominated as having the the number uh the most empowering fitness platform, you know, like because of the show, you know, we're we're showcasing people's struggles, we're helping people overcome mental health issues and depression, anxiety, so so on and so forth. So it's a lot more than just lifting weights and lo losing weight, you know. So helping people with their mental wellness is huge. Mm. So so there's that. We were voted best of Rhode Island, uh, two for two years. You know, again, and it's it's more so from the empowerment, not mm -hmm. so much the fitness. It's like we're taking people from a place of of depression, and we're bringing them into a place of power. Mm -hmm. You know, so in the gym itself and within the podcast, because as I bring the guests on, like I don't vet them ahead of time. It's like I I kind of look into the bio, see what they've overcome, and then I just tell them like I want to talk about this. It's like, I'm not going to just ask you specific questions about your business. It's like, I'll give you some time at the end to talk about your business. Mm -hmm. I want to know how you got through this thing yeah. and all the deep, the deep steps of how you got through it. It's like, cause that's, what's going to inspire people. Mm -hmm. And it's going to help them better connect with you and your product, knowing that you just weren't handed everything on the silver platter. Cause that's what people think. You know, mm -hmm. they, they think all business owners are all multimillionaires. They're driving a Tesla and, you know, they're living in, in the luxury penthouse. No like, and that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've gone through absolute hell, yeah. you know, to, to get stuff off the ground. Mm -hmm. and, and it's in those stories where people resonate the most because that's where the majority of people are. They're stuck mm -hmm. in a career that they don't want to be in. Mm -hmm. and I think that's a challenge, isn't it? Like at the end of the day, it's almost like you... I was thinking about this the other day was that you you're sort of like not free in some in society yes. in some respects because most people yep. got a job um they've got to make money to survive it's almost a vicious cycle of of entrapment if you like yeah um and in australia particularly like you know you you discover how much real freedom you've really got um exactly. by the government so the only way that to make freedom is money but to make money you've got to work to work you cannot make enough of it so you're just stuck in this endless cycle of Yes. Of trying to move around, and so until you can break out of that and create that kind of freedom, and I think there's a perpetuation. I think our, our probably our parents were the same. It's like you know you have to work hard, you know yeah. you have to you have to put in sixty hours a week. You have to, and what you realise is there's not eight days in a week, <laughs> you know. Like, and, and I think you know working you know smarter and working around and looking and thinking about things more. I think it, it works a lot better than trying to just get stuck in that daily have your head down, bum up type of thing, getting nowhere. And I think yes, that's the. I think that changed in the last couple of years. I think that was a big mind shift for people that suddenly realised, hang on a minute, I can't go to work. I can't do this. I can't do. That. I find another way. Yeah. Um. And really, you know, and, and discover whether their relationships at home are that good anyway, because they're never there usually. It's like <laughs> so. Um, yeah. I think we created an interesting kind of melting pot of um of uh, change that's going to happen over the next probably next ten years or longer. So. So when you're looking at um, someone's, like, I guess they, you know, I guess the gym's a good example. They come in the gym, they're overweight, whatever. Often, as you say, they're probably, there's something else going on there. And, oh, yeah. And, and some people aren't necessarily self-aware of that, right? They, they tend to, they probably know, but they don't really want to know, right? They're usually, so is there anything you sort of do to kind of break through that, that, um, that kind of, I guess, you're trying to restrict yourself from doing it, you've, you've you know, box yourself off 
you know, you're not really accepting the real truth about why you, you know, do you, how do you break through that without them wanting to punch you? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I've been, I've been training officially for going on 14 years now. And right when I think I've heard it all, somebody throws me a curveball. <laughs> but I, I never accept the surface answer because I'd say 95% of people, mm -hmm. when they come down, the first thing I say is, so what brings you in? Mm -hmm. And they'll say, I want to lose weight and tone up. Like so everyone says, everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone says that. I said, okay, lose weight. How much weight do you want to lose? Mm -hmm. And then from there, I just go levels deep, right? Mm -hmm. I want to lose 20 pounds. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, because I don't like the way I, way I look and feel. Why not? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what will that do for you? Like, how will your life change if you lose 20 pounds? Mm -hmm. You know, how important is it to you to lose 20 pounds? And why 20? Why that particular number? It's like, mm -hmm. I just asked a series of why questions to get to the real answer. You know, because sometimes that's the an answer is... Yeah, that's an interesting thing, because the whole why structure is, is yes. you can apply that to almost anything. So it's really powerful. Like... You yes. say to someone, why are you doing this? And you keep going, why, why, why? You get about eight levels deep and you get the real answer. Yes. And so I think it's probably very powerful. And maybe you didn't even realize that, you, you know, you probably did it because it works. And I, yeah. to a degree I did, but I realized actually the methodology to it, that you keep yes. on going those levels deep and keep asking yeah. why, 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 until eventually they want to punch you. Then you know you've hit the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like even on the podcast, when I'm on with guests, usually at least once per show, I always get that I've never been asked that before. Like, wow, I've never been asked that before. Mm. And because because again, it's like I want I, I want to get into the how. Like, how did you create your multi-six figure, seven figure business? Like, what pitfalls mm. did you go through? I'm like, and how did that make you feel? How did you navigate that? You know, so so it's just the that series of how so you can get down to really what it is that the person had to break through because people try to just brush over things. Mm. They're like, hey, well, you know, I had a cancer di diagnosis and I got treatment and, you know, I'm all bit better now. Then they, they move on. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like when you got the cancer diagnosis, what was your initial thought? Mm. How did you tell your spouse? Mm. How did your kids react? Mm. You know, it's like, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, yeah that's a big, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah, so it's like people just want to give the surface answer and move on. It's like, but that's not where the power lies. Like the power lies in how did you navigate the struggle? Yeah, and yeah, I get to, I get to that point. It's quite interesting actually because I, I was um, I was listening to some sort of um, science show or whatever, and apparently the the brain, when something traumatic happens, it colors in to make it sound better than it was. Yes. So that you won't kill yourself. <laughs> basically right it's your brain protecting yourself from yourself right yeah and so what happens is you color in those to make it look better in history mm. but yeah. when you're in the moment it's it's you know it's very scary and and at the end of the day you, you sort of like you blame brain oh yeah it's all right you know like you know it's like no it wasn't but yeah. at the time you know you, you've forgotten it all or conveniently forgotten it all because you don't really want to to address it Yes. And uh, it's quite funny because I'm talking about cancer. I, I had bowel cancer diagnosed. Like I, I got diagnosed on the Monday. Oh, no. The, um, the, the surgeon says on Monday afternoon, what do you do on Wednesday? I go, I guess I'm coming here. So on Wednesday, we have the operation, takes it out. I'm up walking around on Thursday. I'm nice. home Friday night. And awesome. someone says, well, what, you know, what epiphanies did you have? I didn't have time for epiphanies here. Like, it's like between one thing and another, you're just going through the system. So you're not, yeah. you don't process anything. You just yes. basically just follow the next bouncing ball to the next step. And yes. at the end of it, they go, thanks, see you later. See you next time. 
And it's like, you know, and you think, well, hang on a minute, did you have time to process? No, because it happened so fast. It was almost like a car accident, right? <laughs> like you don't mm. remember it. And yeah. it's quite, whereas, whereas other people who go through that trauma for months and months and months, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I always say healing, regardless of what type of healing, it starts in your mind. Like mm. when, when I got that diagnosis that you would never run or jump again, initially, you know, I, I teared up, you know, like my now ex, she was there with me. Like, I, and I looked up at her because I had just decided to go full force with fitness. This, right. this was in 2009. So February, I left the restaurant industry. And then this happened that July. You know, mm. so like I was just starting to get things rolling. And when it, when he said that, you know, like it, it floored me for a second. Then I was like, I'll keep it clean. But I was like, you don't <laughs> effing know me like that. I was like, you don't know what I can come back from. Mm. I said, so I'll leave it up to you to put my knee back where it belongs. Because <laughs> like I said, it was a bad knee injury. I said, you put my knee back where it belongs, and then I'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. You know, And I attacked my physical therapy. It's mm-hmm. like they gave me minimal things to do, m- minimum, I should say. They didn't give me a maximum. Mm-hmm. So I was doing stuff all day long. Mm. all day just working on strength doing the electrical stim and like even people in my circle were like what are you doing you're doing too much like how do you know how do you know i'm doing too much and right? i'm like much, a, <laughs> like if i'm doing too much my body will tell me yeah yeah i'll end up hurting something yeah, and then when, when i ran again for that first time post-surgery this was i think it was four or five months post-surgery. Mm. Granted, I look like a newborn giraffe, but <laughs> I still ran, you know? It's like, I still ran. And at that yeah. moment, it's like, I'm making a full comeback. Mm. But like, it starts up here. If you tell yourself, I'm never going to run or jump again, or, or, you know, you get that cancer diagnosis and you say, oh my God, I'm going to die soon. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, you all you're doing is speeding up the process. Yeah, yeah. You feel self-fulfilling prophecy there, don't you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I think, um, again, it's like saying no, right? <laughs> like yeah. Learn to say no more because I think the biggest problem in, in society is that, number one, as I, I, another guy I'm doing some books with, he, he said that basically when you go to school, you're taught to, you're taught to answer questions. You're never, you're never taught to ask them. Mm. But sooner or later, you get to the point where you've got to, every three whole life, you know, when you've got to get a, a driving test, you've got to answer questions. When you've got to get a job, you've got to yeah. answer questions. And so no one ever asks any questions. So yes. that's almost a variation of saying no, right? So no, I don't accept your answer. Yep. Um, maybe there's a better way. And in so many different scenarios. I mean, it was just a good example in Australia. There was a lot of fines handed out during COVID where police were basically just arresting people nearly, nearly for all sorts of stupid things. Mm. Somebody took them to court and won. And then they reversed all the fines. So everybody nice. got their money back. And these fines were hefty. They were up to $5,000 some yeah. cases. And anybody who paid is going to get their money back. One because one person decided to say no, and said, exactly. "No, I'm not accepting this. I'm going to take you to court." And as soon as they won, everybody benefited from it. They did jack shit, really. Like you know, <laughs> no one else did anything. It's not like a check in the mail. I didn't do anything, but yeah. someone had put went through hell for that. I bet you because it's not easy going to court. It's not cheap. It's not simple. It takes yeah. time. It's a out of your life. You know, someone put a real commitment in there, um, yes. but they'd probably never be thanked for it. But the reality yeah. is, is they, you know, change the, the and possibly change in the future as well. So they won't do it again. Yeah. Like even when the gyms were shut down here now, like the facility that I work out of, it's big. It's 11,000 square feet. Well, I think we have nine, nine windows in there. 
like nine windows that can be opened. We have, I think it's six doors, two garage doors. So we can very easily ventilate the place. <laughs> so like I can see if it's a yoga studio that that's small, compact, doesn't have any windows. Like I can see. So like I was make I was taking a stance of you can't lump us all in the same the same box. Mm. Like a 500 square foot spin studio. Okay, mm. yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. Said, but there is no reason why we have to close. And logic went I went, the window. I went to the news. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I went to the news, and four four news stations came came out to our gym. They walked around. They took the video, and and I, I was like, somebody somebody has to challenge why this is happening. Mm. You know, I was like, and and said, so I want the governor to tell me why we can't open when we can adhere to the 14 feet spacing. Mm. We have cleaning solution all over this place. We have windows to- Probably safer like, than a house or shopping centers, which yes, they let you go to, right? They real. let you go to the shopping centers, no worries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they said they can have 7,000 people at our local mall, 7,000 people. I can't have 10 in my gym. It, it made no sense. Yeah, yeah. That's fear. <laughs> no See, that's fear. That's, that, that's a classic kind of scenario is that people, in fear will make these crazy decisions mm. with no logic and so you know the the benefit of hindsight or the benefit of logical thinking goes out the window yes and you start working off fear and i think that probably pull circle back to what we're talking about is that i think a lot of people operate out of fear yeah. um and it's not the best place to be you've got to get beyond it otherwise you'll make the wrong decisions for the wrong reasons and then you know and sometimes those are big decisions too yes yeah, it, you know, just my, my biggest takeaway there is to just ask, to like, you have to not be afraid to speak your mind. Yeah. Even like, so many people just there, huh? just blindly complied. Yes. And, and I was like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like, we can we can adhere to everything that you that you laid out. Cause like mm. the state of Rhode Island, they put out opening guidelines. I said we can adhere to 100% of these. Mm. I'm like, so why are we closing? Because other gyms can't. Mm. It's like that's got nothing to do with us. Mm. But you have know, you found so. that now, you know, I think um, in Australia anyway, particularly I think and everywhere else, everyone's over it now. Like the governments don't care yes. anymore. They went from not caring about you to caring about you, supposedly, and they're not caring so about true. you, right? Mm. And now they don't care about you. Like there's no mention of it anymore. It's like, you know, um, and it's quite funny when you think it, about it because it's more political than it is, you know, like protecting people. It's about that air of of kind of like we're helping you kind of for political reasons ultimately I think and I think that's yes. the downside of it is that yep. it wasn't done for medical reasons it wasn't done for logic it was yep. it was out of fear and yeah. when you run a business on fear <laughs> you're in big trouble because everybody's fearful right and, and yes. I, you create that sense of fear so I think that's the the takeaway with that stuff was that you know there was not a lot of decisions made on the basis of actual logical process it was all just following other people and following the herd you know Exactly. Like I actually got bumped. I was supposed to be on Ticker News there in Australia. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, that. yeah, yeah. And my segment got bumped because Australia went back in, into lockdowns, so they had to go and, and cover the breaking news. <laughs> so I, my my <laughs> segment got bumped. <laughs> you got bumped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. All right. So I want to ask you one last question before we wrap up. Um, and it, I, it's a quite a, I think it's a good question to ask some people is what would you tell your, if you were young, your younger self, what would you tell your older self, you know, to pay attention to or to do or not do? I know it sounds, it sounds cliche-ish, but I wouldn't change much. Like what, what I would do is I, is I, I would have paid more attention to credit, All right, Cause not having, 
not having good credit definitely made the journey a lot tougher. Yes. But like credit cards were just coming out then because remember back in the day, if like if you had a platinum card. <laughs> oh, okay. Like if you had a platinum card, you were like balling. You know, yes. now like every card is platinum now. Yeah, yeah, everybody's you know, so, special. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's so a VIP. I, I, yeah, so I just wish I paid more attention to that. Like I would yes. just tell my younger self, you know, bank 20, 20% of your revenue mm. and keep your credit as, as high as possible. Mm. And then you'll have endless possibilities. Because like I ended up... I ended up getting a couple biz business partners to to open up my facility. I mean, that has since gone south, but that we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> but you know, but like that's what I I would say to get to get be better at saving because you know when you're young and you have a decent paying job, it's just very easy. You know, you start splurging, thinking like the money's endless. Yes, and and it it's not. It's not endless. <laughs> you know, so, everybody's a millionaire, so went, right? Just the money flows through. You never get to hang on to it. Like yes, the secret exactly. of investing is actually hanging on to it, not lo not losing it. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Eating eating out all the time and splurging mm. and taking vacations and doing all this other stuff. Where True. it's like, if I if I look back for twenty years, if I set aside twenty percent of my mm. income twenty years ago, yeah. you know, like how much money would I have now? <laughs> well, I had this insurance, you know? right? I had this insurance that was a few thousand dollars a year uh, for sickness and accident insurance. I claimed mm. on it once. Um, when they had the cancer, I broke my ribs once and they wouldn't pay me because it wasn't covered. I worked out I paid over $100,000 of this insurance over that 20-year period. I wow. got back about $10,000 of more than that, maybe. And I look at it and I thought to myself, hang on a minute, if I just put that $3,000 a, a year away, yes. I'd have $100,000 today, <laughs> right, or more. <laughs> and so not true. only that, they increased the premiums to nearly $13,000 a year. I said, yeah. well, hang on a minute, I could save that up and, and I'm like, you're never going to pay me a certain amount of money. But when I look at back and look at all the money you've paid, I think, well, I wish I thought of that earlier. Yes. Right? You know, I would have been so much better off. So having those thought processes of thinking back and going, hang on a minute, I really should have this? Is it? And it's those little tiny amounts they get away with that get yes. you. It's not the big amounts. It's the little tiny ticker amounts that tick over out of your bank account that you don't mm. notice. So I always go over... I think one of the things is that I always go over my, every so six months or something, go over all the financials and find all the little, little amounts that yeah. are coming through and say, do I really need that? Should I get rid of that? Am I using that at all? Mm. Um, and you often find you can save thousands of dollars out of the gate just by finding those little tiny amounts. Um, they then yeah. go for the big ones, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, the other thing too is one of the things I realized, it's very easy to make $100,000. It's like when you're working in a job and you have the employee mindset, yep. you think, you know, you got to work 10 years and then you'll you'll be able to get the company car and you'll make 80 grand. And then I got uh, broke in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. Like when we opened my gym, now granted, I opened my gym the right way. I started in my garage. Mm -hmm. I started with used gym equipment, but like I sold people on the end result. It's yep. like I didn't, I didn't sell them. Yeah. Like I didn't sell them on a state-of-the-art facility and all this other nonsense that people do. It's like, right, if you want to lose 15 pounds, I can get you there. Mm. You know, like, that's what results. I sold people, people on. Mm. So when, when I opened my facility, we already had 150 clients. Nice. So we were profitable right out of the gate. Foundation. And, yeah. and you know, the goal was to make six hundred grand for, for the year, and we made it by May. Mm. <laughs> it's like it happened so fast i was like whoa mm. you know like if you just ha if you just lean into something that the market needs 
Yes. People people come to you. Mm. You know, like you were talking about Facebook ads. It's like I remember I ran an ad. I mean, I know ads are a little different now and require more spend. Mm. But this was in 2015. I ran a Facebook ad. I got like 90 people in for in for a challenge. I made like twenty thousand dollars in the course mm. of three days. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like like if you work a job, you know, even if you're making a grand a week, you still have to work five months to make twenty thousand dollars. Or put a lot of overtime in you'll never get you know, the tax will get it anyway. So yeah, it's hard yes. to it's very hard as an employee to make a difference in, in that financial status unless yes. you get promoted and then use that so means more true. hours. So <laughs> it's like an endless mm-hmm. cycle of yeah, yep. makes sense. So um, I get to the shameless promotional section. <laughs> tell tell um, the audience a little bit of how they should get in touch with you, who you who you're looking to connect to, um, and that sort of stuff, so we can um, we can help you in the future. All right, so it's twofold. So you can reach me by going to robertbfoster.com, just the way it sounds. And the people I'm looking for, so for, for, for the podcast, I'm looking for people that's overcome obstacles and you want to share what it is that you've overcome. And on the other side, if you've been through something that you have yet to overcome, I can help you overcome that through my Speak About Yourself Out Loud program. That's where we take a dive deep into what you've been through. Uh, no, unfortunately, you'll have to re- relive it for, for a minute. But then we're going to extract the teachable moments. I'm going to show you how to turn those. You can turn it into a book. You can start a blog. You can start your own podcast. You can share your your story on other podcasts, on TV. Like there's so many things that you can do. You can speak to support groups. But keeping that information inside is is, is the worst thing for you because you're never going to address it. The more you talk about it, the more comfortable you're going to get talking about it the more you're going to accept what happened. But the biggest thing is once you see how your story makes other people feel, that's when it now becomes bigger than you and you've stepped into your power. That's cool. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, the secret is keeping it a secret helps no one, right? And I think yes. people don't care about you till you care about them. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. In that situation. Fantastic. Um, all right. So basically... Um, I really enjoyed our chat, chat. Maybe we'll have another chat in that time. We'll dig into the um, the business partner stuff because I had went through that as well. It cost me a million bucks. So I'm going to talk about that wow. whole backstory. Wow. There's one little interesting thing that you mentioned in there that was quite interesting. I think it was that um, you only got one kidney and your sister's got the other one. I think that was oh, yeah. yeah. Tell yes. me a little bit about that you got. <laughs> so now this was, this was only two years after the knee injury. So I was just oh. getting back to strength. And... This was Christmas of 2009. All right, so it wasn't even two years after. Like, I was still rehabbing when she initially called me because it took us a year and a half to have the surgery. But but, but again, that's a story in it in of itself. But so she called me on Christmas. I'm thinking she's just calling, talk to the kids. I'll talk I'll talk to my, my, my niece and my nephew. And But she just had a different tone in her voice, like very somber. So I'll give you the quick version. She had a pain in, in her leg. And so she went to the ER because like the pain just got worse and worse. And so they did the blood test, urine test and all that and come to find out her kidneys were only at 12% function. Wow. They're like, and and it, they were declining quickly. And so she ended up getting on dialysis. The dialysis was making her sick. And um, as I mentioned, I'm the youngest of seven siblings, but at this stage, 
I'm the only remaining athlete. <laughs> so, <laughs> so health wise, you're you know, the healthy I'm, target. <laughs> I'm the, yeah, like I'm the healthiest one out of the rest of them. So I said, I'll I'll go and get tested. And full transparency, she's technically my half sister, but like we don't play the we don't play the half game. <laughs> so we went through the testing, and we were enough of a match to to proceed forward. And but uh, she ended up catching a virus. So we couldn't do the transplant until the virus was completely out of her system. Mm -hmm. So now this was January of 2010. We didn't have the surgery until May 26, 2011. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so now she was on, on the, the not well end of it. But for me, it was just psychological. Mm. You know, it's like they're going to take an organ out of me. And it's like, I get it. It's like, I get it. People do it every day, but it's like, we're born with two for a reason. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah, so like, yeah, and I'm right. giving one up, yeah. you know? And like, and it runs in the family, but it's like, right now, this moment, mm. her health was the priority. Because, mm. like I said, the dialysis was making her sick to the point where she started to skip. You know, and, and I told him, like, if you skip, like, you can die. I'm like, mm. you can't skip dialysis. Skip like, it. No. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, once this virus is out of your system, mm. you know, we'll, we'll, we're there. You know, we're all there. So mm, right. we, we had it done. She's, uh, like I said, this was in 2011. So it's been 11 years now. She's doing great. And they're, like, she's shorter than me. So they said the size of my kidney actually works in her favor. Because yeah, her other her other one ones, one. Yeah. yeah, her other ones were smaller. Yeah. So just with the size of mine, it should last longer than. Better stop the liver. <laughs> Better stop the kidney. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So crazy, uh, very brave of you. In the end of the day, but I mean, I guess yeah. that it comes Thank down you. to counts in the basic human function of trying to you know help your family, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Certainly, um, lots of unpack there, and I hope that someone gets uh, someone listens to and gets some ideas. I mean, often it's just one little thing. You pull a thread, and then suddenly something comes out of it. So I think um, yes. there's lots of interesting stuff in there. So I really appreciate your time, and we'll get you on again soon. All right. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. This was a lot of fun. That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Nippernors. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, make a start on your next great business idea today.